Welcome to A Couch Divided, where we draw a line between secular psychology and biblical worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and myself, Nick Thomas. All right, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. <laughs> Prepare to be couched. Prepare to be couched. Prepare to be couched. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel like we should do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. I Don't get me to do that right now. I'm going to butcher that. Oh, oh. i see why I failed at doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> 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 I'm not great at everybody's um, doing it in their mind right now. Yeah, everybody is actually. <laughs> Prepare to be couched. Yeah, there you go. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Jerry over at uh, Jeremiah Roberts at Coltish does an excellent Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Okay, so we have to have his we'll ha- when we have him on. in there, and we'll yeah. just we'll just edit it. And every time I get ready to do it, we'll have his voice. Yeah, <laughs> he's really good at it. I'm terrible. I'm not even gonna try. I've had friends over the years, and I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> I've had friends over the years that have been able to do it to a T. So it is a common impression. Yeah. And then just also a correlation. You can tell my insecurity here. A correlation of how I failed to be common. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I really like that. Uh, it's funny. My sister, like, and I both have this tendency that no matter, like, what accent we are attempting to do, it always ends up sounding like Mario and Luigi from <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Like, I could be wanting to do, like, an Australian accent or an Austrian accent, and all of a sudden it's just Let's like... Let's go. <laughs> Mario <laughs> e Luigi. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's very, very humorous. Oh, cringeworthy. cringeworthy. I know. Well, okay. So here we are back. Um, this is going to be the second installment of our series on the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, we talked to you guys last episode. Um, about really the beginning of the timeline. So we're going to continue with that today and hopefully be a little bit more, um, summative in our discussion on the timeline, just so that we don't drag that out. For yeah, we were detailed in that in that last episode, if you remember, is because we needed to actually set a foundation and the precambium of thought um, uh, that was going on. Now we're just going to breeze by this timeline. We're going to emphasize a little few dates um, and then go over some of the major um, milestones, you know, major milestones, and uh, major talk yeah. of that time. Spoken like well. a true psychologist, uh, milestone, you know, terms milestones. of milestones. Yeah. Let's discuss the pathology to COVID nineteen <laughs> thinking. <laughs> oh well, that's. I mean, ultimately, that is what we're going to be doing. Um, so uh, we. I also want to let everybody know that we, the timeline that we've created, we will make available. We'll we'll link to that document um, on. Facebook, Instagram. Ultimately, right. when we get our website together, it'll be available for you guys there too as a resource. Um, and then um, we also will include the different websites that we use to compile the timeline just so that you can go and check our sources. We, Exciting things to come. Yeah, right now. don't have to take our word for it. You can you can check us out. I think out. we mentioned this in the last podcast. It's grassroots. Yes. So it's going to be a little dirty at first and then hopefully we can get to clean right. it up later. Right. We just were the mustard seed that just got planted. But we need your help. Yeah. That means you need to listen and like it. Even if you don't want to listen or don't like it you just need to <laughs> like share anyway. talk about it get your family and friends just to power through your emotions and you know, be fake for a little bit and just like us <laughs> <laughs> you're sounding so much like a 12-step program like yeah, gotta fake it till you make fake it. it till you make it it's, I, I hate that and we'll I discuss know. that and maybe we'll have a podcast on that whole entire topic <laughs> i really hate that statement but ugh. Uh-huh, that type of cognitive um Behavioral far- varsity, yeah. 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 Okay, so Nick, tell us the highlights from this year, March 2020. Um, the different stuff that, in terms of milestones, that um, we've gone through with COVID. Yeah. So we went through January and February. We set a foundation. Now, at the beginning of March, and this is huge because at the beginning of March, we started hearing, and, and you're going to uh, remember this, obviously, and it's still talked about today. Uh, but the flatten the curve affirmation, right? And the flatten the curve. 
affirmation and I call it an affirmation for a reason because we started toting it around like an affirmation. It was on every commercial. We're in this together. Flatten the curve. We're in, you know, things like that. Uh, But flatten the curve is really to just when they when they emphasize this, um, there was a spike in COVID and we wanted to flatten that spike. Now, how do you go about doing that? Their exhortation uh, was um, avoid overloading the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And so we can flatten the curve by simple exhortations of wash your hands, stay home, don't breathe on anybody, pretty much don't (laughs) exist, but do exist. (laughs) You know, stay six feet apart, social, social distancing measures, use arrows Um, uh, at the, you know, uh, at the grocery store, right. And Walmart, (laughs) make sure you're going this way down an aisle and not the other way. Right. Um, I remember wondering what those were at first when they first appeared. Yeah. 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 For some reason, the, uh, when you have arrows, the, uh, the coronavirus just magically goes, Oh no, I can't go here. (laughs) (laughs) I I do remember having that exact thought actually, but yes, So essentially, when we first started hearing, we first started hearing the phrase flatten the curve at the beginning of March this year. And the idea was let's not overwhelm our healthcare system, specifically, I believe, with regard to resources. Now, that's material resources like ventilators, masks, um, protective equipment, but also uh, human resources, first responders, nurses, um, our actual healthcare uh, staff that are largely responsible for taking care of people who come infected. And if I, I if I sound facetious or uh, if I'm being ironic or uh, uh, or sarcastic, that's because I'm viewing it through the lens of now December 2020. Right. But at the beginning of the March, uh, at, at the beginning of the March, yeah, the, real, <laughs> literally it was a march. It was right. just a war Slow on you. Slow march. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, at the beginning of March, though. We didn't necessarily think that flatten the curve was illogical. And I still today don't think it's illogical. Right. We did uh, we did have a pandemic. We didn't really know anything about this pandemic and we wanted to stay safe. Right. So if you were sick, stay home was the best actually advice that you got. Right. Now this is, you know, like with any kind of virus or bug, whether it be the flu, the cold or whatever. Right. Um, if, you're sick, home, if you're sick, stay home. Yeah. And those are biblical standards of quarantine. Very biblical. Yeah. I mean, like we, <laughs> this is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. I know that's a little bit out of context, but right. we can apply it here. Um, if you're sick, stay home. That w- it really was great. Advice. It's still great advice. It's still good advice. And, and we achieved that flattening of the curve. And once we flatten the curve, the other narrative, and we'll, we'll discuss this later on, the other narrative was now stay home. You could still spread it and things like that. Though the healthcare system is not getting overwhelmed, because of the increase in spike, we're going to have subsequently more deaths. Uh-huh. Uh, later on, that turned out not to be so true. There, there was people dying in and, 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 and numbers. And there are people dying. But uh, more people get it than die. <laughs> well, so, and we, you know, through this whole discussion, we want to make sure that we are not making light of any anyone's loss of life exactly. loss of any family member friend you know brother mother sister isn't that like a temptation song um <laughs> anyway um we we really sincerely don't want to make any kind of joke about the seriousness of losing someone that you love to an illness um but in the beginning of march what we were we didn't really understand whether or not everybody who came down with covid was going to end up needing a ventilator or not so this this fear was if if we don't slow the spread of this disease then we're going to have everybody in in the hospital at one time and not enough equipment to save their lives and that's just practical advice Right, right, and I remember too around this time, Nick. Uh, we uh, this isn't in our timeline, but the, they were starting to talk about setting up um, makeshift hospitals, right? right, like tented hospitals, right. 
um, I don't know that we ever had anything like that. Actually. There was there was facilities that were going up, but like not here that. in Arizona. No, not here in Arizona, okay. but nationally there were, especially in New York. There yeah, were New York got like hit that, v- yeah. tremendously hard by yeah. COVID. Um, and it yeah. makes I think it makes sense too, just as an epicenter of travel. Yes, you know Manhattan specifically being kind of the entry point to the United States from all over the world. Yeah, there were stories just like that of 9-11. Oh, this is killing more people than 9-11. They were showing bodies being hurled into, or not hurled, but being put into, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the coroner's truck and things like that. Right, well, into air-conditioned, to cool, I'm totally blanking on what we called these, but to cooled storage trucks because the morgues were absolutely overwhelmed. Um, And again, we're not saying that any of that's fake or false. It absolutely happened. Um, when we first started talking about flatten, flattening the curve, we still didn't really have a good understanding of what this illness was. Right. We only understood that there was a spike. We not need to uh, overwhelm the hospitals. The way to flatten the curve is by um, um, avoiding all possible situations where you could spread right. so that you wouldn't overwhelm the hospitals. Um, this um, this led us into now starting to do national testing because in order to understand that you may have COVID or that you may be, uh, uh, may spread it, you have to get tested. And so March second, um, here in Arizona, we started testing at the state lab, and then that soon became testing everywhere. You can even get it at your local community college, and this is also starting nationally as well. Um, may, uh, some states may have been doing this before March 2nd. AZ did it uh, 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 at March, uh, March 2nd. Um, but now we're starting to see testing. And the reason why we're starting to see testing is to keep in mind the flatten the curve uh, narrative that was being put out. Right. A um, way of, of actually like procuring some data around it. Yeah. Now, what everybody is starting to think at this point is that if we need to flatten the curve, then there's a huge spike. And then there's probably some fear being generated in this um, in this atmosphere too as well there's going to be talk there's going to be uh, fear uh, should I go out from my home should I not go out from my home people are starting to make individual decisions to keep themselves safe um, but then um, but then the, um, the narrative of, of flatten the curve also showed us that the hospitals need now equipment Right. Because if they're going to be overwhelmed or if they're going to have people in there um, a lot, um, then they're going to need PPE and they're going to need particular uh, things that um, need to be produced so they can stay safe as well. And so uh, World Health Organization issues a call for uh, uh, industry and governments to increase manufacturing by 40%. This is May uh, when you started hearing ventilators, PPE, um, and then America was one of the major producers uh, internationally as well as nationally uh, to help make that possible. So those are uh, those are the f- some of the first couple of days in March that you started hearing it. And then March 7th, uh, COVID-19 cases here in, uh, in worldwide, actually just worldwide, surpasses 100,000. Mm-hmm. And we can officially now, even though they declared it a pandemic before, but now uh, it is known empirically to people that this is certainly spreading throughout the earth. Uh, right. So uh, again, all these numbers too, or this is recorded cases, right? We're like the data is always going to be a little bit shy of 100% factual because not everything is recorded. But so it was March 7th, right, that we officially surpass 100,000 cases worldwide. And so we keep going down the timeline um, and uh, we're getting uh, uh, exhortations to the Red Cross 
uh, for guidance um, and uh, considerations uh, to keep uh, schools safe. Um, President Trump is already signing uh, travel bans uh, in European countries. He already banned uh, in China. That was a big deal when that was happening. Uh, not to go political uh, or anything like that. They didn't like that he was doing that at first. And now uh, it was necessary. Uh, if looking back in December, it was highly necessary uh, to do the travel bans. Um, but obviously we do not want to spread it more and we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals. This is still predicated upon uh, flatten the curve. Uh, narrative uh, is there anything you want to add Robin? um no i mean so by the middle of march march 11th trump had signed the his third travel ban um this was like banning anybody from uh let's see any like united states entry into the united states by any aliens from um 22 of the europe 22 countries that are members of the european U union into the u.s um, and that went into effect on March 13th. Um, as of March 11th, um, the World Health Organization officially characterized COVID-19 as a pandemic, so which I think you had mentioned already. Um, same day, Arizona declares a public you know, state of health emergency. Um, so we see a lot happening really quickly in March in response to the spread of this disease. Let's just put ourselves in the shoes of the common folk. When you hear state health emergency or national emergency, what's the first thing that would go through your mind? And I want you as an audience to think that. What what did you think um, at that? And just ask yourself that question. What did you think at that point? There's kind of most likely going to be a couple trains of thoughts. One of them, you're not going to take it seriously. There's no emergency. I don't care. Um, and then the other is, crap, there's an emergency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what do I do about this? And how do I handle um, how do I handle myself? Right. Uh, well, I think like too, and so for the like, there are you, you kind of see this stuff floating around social media, like the lady that survived the the f flu of nineteen eighteen, and she, you know, then she survived breast cancer, and then she just survived COVID. She's one hundred and seven years old, which is, I mean, that's incredible. But most of us, most of the population, hasn't lived through a global pandemic before, no. so we don't know and I think how I'm to feel about that being introduced into our everyday existence. I think being afraid and cautious was a really natural response right. to words like that being and used. And there's some cognitive dissonance here. And the reason why I mentioned that is because the thing that we were used to is these names of the viruses from the past floating around, like the Zika virus or the H1N1. And I mentioned this last episode, or the Mad Cow of the 90s. We heard these things. We knew they existed, but they usually were a butt of a joke between mostly the common people of the world. Why? Because we didn't shut everything down. We didn't have affirmations like flatten the curve, and we didn't have wear masks, and we didn't have lockdowns. Mm -hmm. We just knew that people were getting sick. Some were dying from mm -hmm. this. And it was in more than one country, and sometimes uh, in, in a lot of countries. Well, and I, we're, we're speaking kind of egocentrically here. I think that that was pretty common in the U.S. Yes. There were definitely nations that experienced a lot more panic sure. around some of those sure. diseases than we did. Um, and I, we haven't done any research into how their media in those different countries handled, yes. um, handled those specific, um, epidemics that were occurring. But for us, um, in the United States anyway, it was less, it was less driven by panic, our response to those specific viruses or illnesses. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so that start that, that mentality, especially in westernized countries, um, are most likely going to be the common thought at first. But then you get the uh, 
national health emergencies and you get all the um, all the news reports on this uh, to tell you to take precautions and that's what we're starting to see uh, right now uh, he continues to do travel bans uh, like I said, in the UK and the and in China, uh, AZ already announces uh, the uh, health emergency, uh, as whether uh, other uh, local states uh, as well um, starting to do that. Um, now we're in the middle of March, mm -hmm. and we have our first statewide school closure here in Arizona. Right. So as of March fifteenth, Arizona announces that we are going to close schools here. So, and I remember um, I was at my uh, niece was living with us at the time. 11 years old, um, sixth grader, actually fifth grader. She's a sixth grader this year. Um, so she went on spring break and then never went back to school. Wow. Yeah. So, and I, it sounds like a horror story. <laughs> she went on spring break and, and never, came never back. went Yeah. I didn't, it's, this isn't a true crime episode. So, um, but <laughs> I remember I even had the thought too, as you know, uh, I won't give away my, my age specifically but as um a woman in her 30s thinking like how cool i would have thought it was at first to have gone on spring break and then not had to return to class <laughs> um but what's interesting too my my sweet little niece um i actually haven't asked her if that was her first thought um but it became very evident quite quickly that not having the structure of and routine of going back to school when that was what was expected um, right. was very, very disruptive yeah, to her. I, I don't want to go to school on my terms, right. not on somebody else's terms. Right. It's very out of control. Um, and nobody knew, I'd still, I think now nobody knows exactly what the landscape uh, was going to look like for the rest right. of the school. We didn't know if this was going to be a week. A lot of confusion. Yeah. yeah we didn't know if it was going to be months. Um, and nope. as it turns out, it's you know, essentially been kind of semi permanent. But. Right. Um, at that point, that was a huge change. Yes, that was a huge change. Yeah. And you're already starting to get things from local governments, especially here in uh, Arizona, uh, of people canceling uh, gatherings of more than 10 people. Now, this narrative was was put early on. We're hearing it more so uh, at the end of 2020 than we did at the beginning. Uh, but, uh, yeah, canceling gatherings, uh, because this was not a holiday season, no one was really upset that, that they had to cancel gatherings kind of thing. Well, I, or less upset, a, I yeah, think. Yeah. The, the normal household wasn't agitated as much, you know. What's interesting, because so I got married in February. You were there. Yes. <laughs> um, kind of an important part, actually, right. of the wedding. Um, so we got married at the end of February. Um, but by March 16th, we had uh, recommendations from the state legislators here in Arizona that we should not gather in groups of 10 people or more. And I remember first seeing people canceling their weddings yeah, that funerals and, and weddings. And yeah. Like that had happened yeah. just thinking like how uh, utterly I mean, awful yeah. to go to, you know, the expense of a wedding and then not be able to, to actually have it. Right. <clears throat> and uh, now we're starting to see more interaction from the world health organization. Um, um, and basically it's the same exhortation, right? Um, they, they launched something called a solidarity uh, trial. I want to talk about this. And, uh, it, it was an international clin uh, clinical trial that aims to generate robust data from around the world to find the most effective treatments for COVID. And so we're already starting to get now experimental thoughts and experimental ways. This is uh, uh, right now the narrative is not wear a mask. The, mar uh, the narrative is find a way to kill this thing and stay home if possible. Um, and so this was randomized uh, clinical trials that normally take years to design and conduct. 
the solidarity trial was actually uh, designated to accelerate uh, this process. And so now we're seeing uh, in the organizations, because it's a, a, of a disruption in the world, that they want to speed through things that normally would take a, a couple years or a few years um, uh, to implement. Uh, we did not want a COVID pandemic. Yeah. I mean, even though we're still technically officially already in one at this point in March, um, I think we see this kind of thought process as well with the development of the vaccine that has just recently been approved by the FDA and become available, which we'll talk about later. Um, but the idea is how do we speed up the clinical trial process in order to get data that will produce strong enough evidence in identifying what is an effective treatment and what isn't. Right. And we can see that the only thing that this was proving or that this did was wear a mask. <laughs> or stay home but that's again that's hindsight at the end of 2020 because that's all we got lockdowns mm -hmm. and masks yeah um and uh they were trying to um try other methods uh of, and things like that of course if you stay home and there is, you know you're going to avoid the disease if it doesn't get in your house however there was some other um uh, symptoms that are not related to sneezing or 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 coughing but well we'll talk about that later but loss of jobs suicidal ideation depression oh you, oh, like you mean yeah, yeah so like there's some other repercussions right um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call them straight symptoms but you know <laughs> i think it's i mean i think it's an it's an okay way to to kind of articulate it um and that of course is really the point of this series is once we lay this foundation with our timeline to talk about what the consequences psychologically in our nation and worldwide have been in you know as a response to this experience well, of covid you emailed me a good cartoon here um and i, I think i'm going to mention it if that's fine yeah um and it's it has a doctor talking to a patient and he says what are your coronavirus symptoms and he goes i'm broke unemployed and suicidal <laughs> right and, <laughs> and i think so many people can relate to that yeah um uh, but at the beginning of march this was not happening yet. Not this there was a fear that this would happen, yet. and then it did. And so, well, because um, so at this point we start talking about essential and non-essential workers. Yes, even at our church we were talking about um, biblical methods of quarantine, and you don't not subsidize people by essential and non-essential. Made so, in the image of God. I'm going to say it right now, believer or unbeliever, you are essential in the fact that you have been created in his image mm -hmm. and you're worthy of love, dignity and respect. Right. Uh, and then if you're a Christian, you have that image of God. You understand that more deeply. And then plus you are now a repented sinner and are allowed to call God father and he will call you son and or daughter. And so you're not only just an image bearer, you're also an adopted right. child of God. And you don't divvy up people by essential and not essential. Well, I think that if the point is here is like the our governments, state governments and then federal governments started operationally defining essential in an extremely narrow way. If I'm the only income in my household, then I am essential, yes. regardless of whether or not I'm doing fingernails, like painting fingernails for a living, or I'm, I'm a frontline worker, I'm an EMT, right. I'm a cop, whatever it is. Um, it's absolutely ludicrous yeah. to me that you could 
say to to a family whose only income is the in, is the career that they're in and right. then identify essentially call that non-essential and, and this is my critique of sociologists and I, I i do think sociology is important uh and maybe we can have more deeper discussions uh in, in later episodes about the nature of sociology and how that plays into the christian life however um, when you just view people as data points on your Excel worksheet or your tests, you start to get narratives like this. Yeah. Now, let's just boil it down. Let's let's talk practically. People become collateral damage. Yeah, it, they, that's all. And that, that's a perfect, yeah. perfect definition of that um, uh, and wording for that. Uh, but let, let's be practical here. They were trying to implement something. What were they trying to implement? Well, obviously, people need grocery stores and people uh, actually um, rely on things to keep the flourishing of their lives simpatico. Uh, pharmacies, grocery yeah. stores. Right? Yes. Right. Right. So we need we need those things. And right. so they, they now and I don't know what their motives were, but to say these are essential and then so they need to stay open right you do not need the the you know the the pub. manicurist yeah right you do not need as a person right. um the bar on the corner right now the bar in the corner needs the bar on the corner right because that's his income right and you just take uh, took it out of the way right and so now we have talks of stimulus checks going in Right. Okay, we'll tolerate you for a second, but we'll, we'll, and we'll get the, uh, to that. Uh, and I've mentioned this uh, uh, already, but we'll get to that in just a few moments. Uh, but I really want to hone in on the fact that what a mess these labels can create, because now you're starting to question whether or not you are essential, right. because the sociological masters mm -hmm. say that you are or not, or, or not, right? How many commercials did you say? The true heroes here, or the true heroes there, and no doubt about it, the healthcare workers and the people that were working during the pandemic at that time. I'm not saying that they didn't uh, do a service, uh, but well, think about uh, the the person that owns the small business that had the lockdown. Am I not? Am I not a hero to my family? Am yeah. I not? Am I not important? Or am I just a data point that I have to get fed by the sociological masters? Um, you know, my food and my my and my money. Right. And uh, I don't want to go into the political talk, but this is <laughs> now when we start. Well, this is about a the it is a political pandemic. I don't yeah. think that we can avoid getting it's into the politics. I don't think we can get avoid the the talk getting into the politics of this entirely well, because it, it is political. This is when we start hearing about the Great Reset, and really that you know in 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 layman's terms that means communism mm -hmm. <laughs> but well, or globalism but yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, again that's a probably another talk for another podcast but uh, yeah <clears throat> and and so and, and you can tell the angst uh, and the sorrow that I have for this because I you know the Bible just doesn't say to label people in this way we understand that there are things essential and non-essential mm -hmm. you know like you don't need the strip club on the corner you don't need it at all <laughs> that's um, definitely its own podcast yeah exactly um. uh, but we uh, we do understand that uh, people making money and livelihoods uh, of other small businesses right that's uh, essential to them that is essential to them um, and <clears throat> their customers that actually go in there and especially to their families. Right. And when you degrade them uh, like that, they're going to start questioning their being. Right. So how does the Christian handle this, uh, Robin? I mean, so as a Christian, we understand that God labels us in all in the same way. We're image bearers, so we're essential. Right. Um, the problem is, is that when, like what you were saying, Nick, is that when our leaders, like when, when our elected officials start designating people as either important or unimportant, 
the impact of that is not just sociological, financial, economical. It's absolutely psychological. Um, You know, and there's been a lot of whisperings that we're going to talk a lot more about this in our next episode. We're dedicating entirely to the psychological repercussions of this pandemic. Um, But when you get told you are no longer allowed to have a livelihood, um, there are serious and severe consequences for that. And that's just part of it. You know, we're going to talk about the repercussions psychologically on adults, on children, mm-hmm. on our geriatric population, which has been insane here just in Arizona. Um, so, you know, now we're like we're mid-March. Um, we've got schools closed. We've got um, as of March 23rd, we had 139 cases of COVID reported in Arizona. Um, by the 25th, we had 251 cases. March 27th, President Trump signs the CARES Act into law. Um, you want to tell us about that, Nick? Yeah, the CARES Act. And actually, I can tell you uh, from experience uh, uh, this, too, as well. I attend uh, a local university here in uh, Arizona, uh, Grand Canyon University. Uh, it is a big school. A lot of people are now are going to this school. And all of a sudden, I get... Uh, a $500 check in the mail that I don't have to uh, pay back and it's from the CARES Act. Mm -hmm. And so basically uh, this CARES Act um, uh, was signed into law to give people um, especially like students uh, and, uh, and people that were going to be affected by this pan. It's not a stimulus check, but a, 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 an extra incentive or an extra, um, you know, a boost. Like an economic boost. Yeah. So since they can attend school or since they got to, um, you know, pay for school or they've already paid for school, this $500 check, or at least uh, that's what I got, $500, um, is... Uh, now for me to supplement exactly now I was only entitled two hundred and fifty dollars for it uh, but the school that I attended to decided to give me the whole amount so these are actually going to institutions mm-hmm. before they went to the people and then the institutions were obligated to give a certain amount to people but were not obligated to give the whole amount huh, that's interesting I wonder what the the actual um, criteria that they used what was to determine who who got what do you have any idea? Um, I don't know, other than the fact that they know, um, you know, like my my school knew how much I was paying. And yeah, and that's it's so interesting. Yeah. Five hundred dollars wouldn't have covered the books for one quarter of of my graduate school. Just as <laughs> putting that out yeah, there. Yeah, you know, you know, and and to me, uh, you know, it was it was helpful. Yeah, of course. Um, I, you don't scoff at it. What I'm saying is, is that one quarter. One quarter of head doctor college, <laughs> yes. which is what I kind of lovingly refer, refer to my uh, graduate school experience as, well, that would have maybe covered books, maybe. And, and, the, and the CARES Act, I mean, CARES just stands for the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security. So that should tell you a lot about what um, that entails. However, as a Christian, when I received this, a lot of po- uh, political standpoints started coming into my mind. How I should view this? Uh, should I take this government money? Is it is it righteous? Um, well, it, regardless, I have it. Can I use it for righteousness? Uh, the Bible uh, exhorts us in that way uh, as well. Um, and so I took this seriously yeah. uh, because this money was issued because we are in a, a serious situation. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to use it responsibly well and all i mean i think i appreciate you saying that too because i think it's important for us to be discerning when we get issued government funds what's actually being like if we accept this money what's being required of us or what's being expected of us no a a lot of people would ask me are you for the stimulus check are you against it and here's why i'm for it and 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 
because you told me I couldn't go work. to work okay. when you robbed me. Now you got to give it back. Well, yeah, twelve hundred dollars <laughs> is not enough. Taxation, <laughs> taxation is theft. So uh, that's so, that's its own series. And that's not a stimulus check. That's just say, where's my money? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, right. uh, the point of a stimulus check is to stimulate the economy. Mm. But it's not if you continue to lock things down, it doesn't stimulate anything. It right. just replaces what you've stolen. Right. And it's not enough. Yeah. Because you stole it all. <laughs> and I don't even know what you're doing. And because we're seventeen trillion dollars in debt, the debt ceiling goes up. And again, I'm getting political. <laughs> right. And uh, there's a lot of trauma that now is placed upon the individual burden um, uh, that this is to the person. Right. <laughs> go on deep go breaths on. Deep and breaths. again we're speaking superficially there's a lot more detail than what we what we just said here mm-hmm. but think about your situation in this time right some of you may have not have been affected by this mm-hmm. your business stayed open you were able to make money but that's just not the case for a lot and more than some right of the people especially around this time right um and and how can we how it like how <laughs> Who made us God to say that anybody could be designated as collateral damage in that? Right. Um, okay, so we can take your social security number for that one. I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah, link here in our in our show notes. Um, okay, so as of March 30th, um, our governor, Mr. Doug Ducey, announced that schools in Arizona would not reopen for this academic school year. Um, he also issued a stay-at-home order. Yay. And I remember um, just how crazy this is going to be kind of a superficial um, observation, but what that did to traffic. Right. Traffic. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Phoenix traffic is on par with Houston traffic, with yeah. LA traffic. If you've ever been in rush hour in Phoenix, it can take you two hours to go 10 miles, especially yeah. in, in the like it's, city it's hubs. It's go the whole way. Yeah. Right. Um, but Oh my goodness. I mean, I could get across town. I mean, and when I say across town, I mean like a 40 mile yeah. across town in 40 minutes. How many times did the word uh, ghost town come up? Right. You know, and it know? really, yeah. it's very, it was super eerie to be out driving and see almost no one right. on the road. But so this is our first stay at home order. Arizona, Arizonans, excuse me, were encouraged only to leave their homes for essential services or if they were working at an essential business. And again, you hear that word essential come up. Right. So um, we're moving into April um, and there again, we're going to have this timeline, this full timeline available to you guys. So you can check it out and really see um, each date specific what was going on. But some of the highlights for April um, as of April 2020, the U.S. unemployment rate hit a record high, um, 14.2. 7.5% according to the United States Bureau of, Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that is in a matter of months from January to April. Right. We're talking about four months. Four months. And it, it wasn't until the end of March that we even got issued our stay-at-home right. order. Now, it's tentative because the lockdowns are not permanent. Um, and so you will see a lot of that relieve in the future. But then a lot of businesses were not able to open even to recover to recover from that. And their little uh, stimulus check didn't help. Right. So. So as of April 2nd in Arizona, we had a total of 1,598 cases with 32 deaths. Um, April 8th, Maricopa County says social distancing efforts appear to be working. So this is from data that was uh, collected from Maricopa County Department of Public Health. And it showed that the number of COVID-19 hospitalizations was growing at a slower rate since the end of March than in the weeks prior. This is when we started to achieve the flatten the curve. Um, uh, thing people were staying home they right now at collectively not not individually but collectively 
we agreed that we don't know what this thing is. We don't know how harmful it is, really. Uh, we know that people are, some people are dying and some people are getting severely sick. So stay home. Um, and, and, and everybody was cool with that. Stay home. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not sick, you can go out. Right. But, uh, but, but stay home. And we started seeing the curve flatten because bit, uh, right. uh, uh, the, the hospitals. Now, this is also predicated upon the fact that they were only taking certain people in the hospitals. I believe our guest in a couple of episodes will uh, will talk about that um, um, uh, a little bit more extensively. There's other factors in there uh, that are uh, not solely predicated upon because you stayed home. Right. Uh, but that was that was a factor. Right. Um, of course, if you're not going out, you're not spreading. Uh, and that's kind of logical there. Right. Um, but, um, not spreading or catching, not right? spreading or catching. Right. I mean, the rest of your livelihood might be destroyed, but at least you're not spreading. <laughs> um, but, uh, and again, I'm being sarcastic and ironic here because, but it's really not funny. That's the elephant in the room. Right. Here. It's like, yes, we know that you won't spread or catch if you leave your sofa, if you don't leave your sofa. Right. But there's other things, but you are, need to leave your you need sofa, sofa. Right. Yeah. I mean, here we're couch divided. We're recommending you get off the couch. Yeah. Get off the couch. So, yeah. um, let's see. Um, between February and April of 2020, more than 17 million United States jobs were lost in industries that employ, it, that employers were seeking uh, to fill worker positions tied to H2B non-immigrant non visas. So this is related to the travel bans that President uh, Trump signed. Um, people were not allowed to enter the United States, and we have a lot of people entering the United States to work. Right. So that number, again, is 17 million. And so this generates 17 million. You're right. And this generates now worldwide another. economic yeah. loss. This also now generates a more narrative. Um, we, we're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, the left right now is saying Trump is racist for banning, uh, you know, uh, international uh, people coming in uh, to work. Uh, right. And then all of a sudden. So now you have this racist uh, narrative. I can't go out narrative. Where's my money coming from narrative? Flatten the curve narrative. You have infinite voices, theoretically, right? Yeah. Infinite voices coming at you, telling you. You're essential, not essential, and what to do about that. Right. Um, talk about, like, identity development, yes, right? exactly. And so. I wonder if we're going to end up seeing that in the future. But. Well, and so this is a great, like, this is going to be one of my plugs for Christ. Mm -hmm. When your identity your, isn't rooted in Christ, yeah. look at look at what this does yeah. to you. Like, you, you really, don't... You really want to be defined by essential or yeah. non-essential? I mean, so if you have no standard for your identity, no consistent permanent standard that's defined by the creator of the universe right then of course your psychological health is going to be impacted by what's what's happening right your ability to provide to your provide for your family being told by your leaders that you're either essential or non-essential um one of the th really cool things that we're going to do for you guys in this episode series is we're going to interview a couple of first responders, um, uh, uh, including an ICU nurse who's been, in, you know, at the forefront of this pandemic since the beginning. Um, and one of the things I'm going to ask her to speak speak to is the incredible level of burnout that she's experienced since this has started being one of these essential workers. So. What like you know in the in the same way that being told you're non-essential impacts you psychologically, how does being told that you are essential impact you psychologically? You right. know, and um, it's I think it's a really important thing to consider from both both ends of the spectrum. So, 
I mean, and, and this harkens <coughs> back to Genesis one. I mean, who are you uh, in, in this in this situation? You know, starting in verse uh, uh, twenty seven. Um, um, excuse me, verse twenty six. He says, "Let us make mankind in our image, uh, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all." the wild animals and there so there is we're made in the image of god and we're supposed to subdue and pretty much take over uh, uh, uh in that sense and then he tells us to be fruitful and increase in number and to fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish rule over the sea rule over the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground and when god saw that he had made man he said it was what good. not just good but very <laughs> good it's separate from everything. Right. When you lump people in as essential or not essential, you make them equal to the material things of this world and not the image of God. Like, calm down, make your voice raised. Raise yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we were in like, a, you know, a, su- a southern like gospel yeah, yeah, church. Yeah, Preach it, brother. It <laughs> says somebody went, one time when I was an itinerant preacher, they're like, I don't think people want you just yelling at them. All just the don't time. throw your Bible at me. <laughs> okay, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> There's more stories <laughs> about yes. that. Yeah. Uh, but God, <laughs> so again, that's verse 31. God saw that he, uh, what he had made, uh, that he had made man, right? And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. And then there was the sixth day, yeah. uh, which is the, the number of man. So, um, we have to understand that we are not data, that we are not the same as the, the bar down the street. We yeah. are separate from all the things that we use. Mm-hmm. And these things are not, uh, uh, we're not relying on these things. These things are relying on us mm-hmm. for we are supposed to subdue the earth. Right. And we take these things in and we flourish um, and, um, um, and we uh, say, um, um, what is essential and not essential right. kind of thing on like that. Uh, or, or uh, excuse me, God says what is essential and, and right. not God essential. Right, God assigns value, not us. Um, so, okay, so back to the timeline. We, I, wanted, I definitely just want to get through the rest of it so we can set up our next our next episode, which is really the, like, meat and potatoes of what we're talking about, the, the psychological consequences of all of this. Um, by the end of April 2020, just like pause for the like actual weight of this number 26.5 million americans had filed for unemployment since mid-march okay whoa what we're doing here whoa like are you kidding me think about the individual thoughts as we watch this on the news (laughs) because that's all we have yeah and this generated in now December 2020. We, we just don't trust the mainstream any of this <laughs> yeah. at all. Right. I mean, we, we were are. faltering before, but yes. Yeah. They're <clears throat> telling you who you are. Now you have to file for unemployment and be reliant on people who already don't view you as good. Or as worthy or, or essential. Yeah. Right. Or very good at all. Yeah. Just got, you know, people that they're, you know, they have to tolerate. Right. Um, and that's that's what you feel like. Now, the narrative coming from these individual um, organizational leaders or so-called experts uh, are not going to say that up front. They're right. going to use words like we do care. Um, you need to care. Um, they're going to use uh, you, uh, words like unity, which they mean conformity um, and uh, all these kind of uh, double standards. But then still the end result is you sitting at home being reliant on people that you really don't want to be relying on. Right. 
Um, okay, so uh, we get into May. Um, uh, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, um, he's become a household name for all of us. Um, he testifies um, in front of the United States Senate, Senate on May 12th that his original estimate of a death toll in the United States of 80,000 is likely underestimated. Um, and again, being in December, looking back, we know now that that was absolutely an underestimate. Um, May 15th, our Arizona stay-at-home order was allowed to expire by Governor Ducey. By the 21st of May, the United States and AstraZeneca, which is a pharmaceutical company, form a vaccine deal. So the Trump administration and AstraZeneca announced a collaboration to speed up the development of a COVID-19 vaccine. And this is the start vaccine. of what we now know to be Operation Warp Speed on there. That's what they're calling it, Operation Warp Speed. Oh, is that real? Yeah, that's real. That's oh, okay. What, that's the campaign to uh, for the vaccine. And, oh. And so... I had missed, I had missed Operation, Operation Warp, Warp Speed. Speed. Yeah. yeah, it's a freaking science fiction name. Oh, my you know goodness. I mean? It really does sound like something and, out of... Uh, you know, uh, uh, this is a bipartisan issue, too, as well. I got to preface this a bipartisan issue of saying that we need the vaccine, but it's not a bipartisan issue in how we're going to produce this. And it's certainly not a bipartisan uh, 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 at this point. Yeah. Um, now, at the end of December, uh, December 20, um, everybody's loving the fact that there's a vaccine. It's just who you're going to give credit to is the worldview that uh, that we have. But either way, um, um, now we're, we're talking about vaccine. And at the end of December, we get this uh, vaccine. So well, there are a lot of December that we have. there are a lot yeah. of places that have already gotten it and administered the vaccine. I was actually um, speaking to I have a very good friend that lives in rural Manitoba, Canada, um, and they have a an algorithm set up for who receives the vaccine first. Um, and it's frontline workers, essentially. Um, but at, at, if you, this this is a t an could be an entirely different tangent. Um, when we think of the um, government restrictions that have been imposed on us as United States citizens, it doesn't even remotely come close to what they're facing in Canada. Uh, my friend um, lives, like I said, in very rural Manitoba. She owns a farm. She is, if she is caught letting anyone who does not live at her residence into her household, she gets fined $1,300. If she is caught less than six feet away from somebody who's even in her yard without a mask or less than six feet away, that's another $1,300 fine. Um, no in-church in, in services are allowed whatsoever. Um, you can have one person per household designated to go shopping in Manitoba, this isn't the same in every province, but in Manitoba, you can only buy essential items, groceries and toiletries. You can't buy a book. You can't buy a toy. I mean, imagine Christmas. I mean, online you can. But if you go into a store, you can't buy anything that isn't going to keep you physically alive mm -hmm. or sustainable. So, um, and my friend and I have some different political views, <laughs> um, and even to hear her talk about it, she very much believes that that's the government attempting to keep people safe. Um, that's what they're saying. Right. I, I very much disagree with that. But, um, you know, I, I say would regardless, what's the end result? Right. Are they? Right. Are yeah. they keeping people safe? <laughs> so, again, that's that's more of a political discussion than we're here to have. But so we've got um, we've got the long term effects 
and the psychological effects of all of that is just incredible when you talk about it. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think that's a good point to leave off, um, and uh, we'll continue talking about this in the uh, in the next episode here as well. But as always, I want you, and as a counselor, I'm always going to ask you to think about something. Um, what is God doing in this situation in your life, believer? And I'm talking to the believer here. What is God doing at this point? Yeah. What are you thinking on there? Does How does your life as a believer and your response to this look different to, than that of an unbeliever? Yes. And if it doesn't look different, should it? And how should it kind of thing? This is this is one of those hypothetical. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, uh, of course, we want to speak up against unrighteousness. Yeah. And a lot of the times when we do speak up, it becomes our personality and it starts getting us resentful and angry. And we even start looking like the world as we're speaking up. But we do need to speak up. And so how do we do this in the Christian way? And I think that maybe we'll talk about that in the next ex uh, this next episode. Please think about this yourself. And I always ask this to anybody that I'm counseling in any situation that they're uh, dealing with. What do you suppose God is doing in your life? And mm -hmm. of course, the biblical presentation um, of this is a plethora of answers that you can say yes to. One of them, that is sanctification. And I think that's a huge, uh, a huge um, um, affirmation and a huge reality that you have to yield to. Right. So until next time, stay safe, stay lovely, <laughs> and keep in mind that Christ uh, has overcome the world so please take heart. <laughs>